remembered 9.15 this weekend. I wasn't sure if everybody was going to show up at 10 or not with the summer schedule, but I'm glad uh, you're here. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4. We're going to get there eventually this morning. And just want to let you know, if you don't have a Bible or a phone with a Bible on it or something like that, um, the passages are in your notes because not all of them are going to be on the screen. And so this is Youth Weekend. And um, a lot of places when you hear Youth Weekend, um, what you expect to see is a bunch of high school students up here running the service. And so they're leading worship and they're running the slides in the back and sound and they're taking the offering, all that kind of stuff. And um, if you notice this weekend, we're not necessarily taking that approach. Well, that is great. Um, If you've been around Gateway and pay attention, what you'll notice is just about every weekend we have young people involved in those kinds of things. So they're, they're up here helping in some way or they're in the back running slides or helping with offering. And so this is just a normal thing that we do around here. And so we don't have to pause and have one weekend where high school students or middle school students get to help. And so Youth Weekend isn't about that. What Youth Weekend is, is it's just an opportunity for us to take the young people in our lives and and kind of bring them out in front and ask God again, is there anything to challenge us about with the young people you've put in our lives? Anything to remind us about? Anything to encourage us with? And and, and I just want to say this is huge for us to do this every so often. I mean, even if you don't have a teenager at home, what I just find is that most people have young people in their life. They run into them regularly in their life at the store or neighbors or they watch your young kids or they're your grandkids or whatever. And so we have young people in our lives. And so we just, again, want to bring them out in front and we want to say, God, is there anything that you want to say to us about these people that we care about so much? And so that's what we're going to do. Before we do that, just a couple items of business. So this is the weekend where everybody's got an announcement, right? To everybody. We're, we've heard a lot. We've heard about ladies. We've heard about worship and kids. And I, I just want to let you know, um, students, that, that youth group is starting back up this Wednesday night. We took a couple weeks off for the start of school, but we're back this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right over here next door in the Student Worship Center. Any middle school, high school student, we'd love to have you there. We're going to have some great music. We're going to hang out together. We're going to get into the scriptures. And so um, also, so if you are curious, students, about when small groups are starting, so in, in our youth group, small groups are huge for us, and so they're going to be starting on September 28th, and you'll hear a lot more about details of that over the next month, but just kind of put that Sunday night in your mind when those things kick off. And so I want to give that business, and, and then I just want to pray for us again before we get into the scriptures. I want to pray for the young people in our lives and, and for us as we, as we talk this morning. So why don't you pray? Pray with me, God. Um, we just we thank you again for students. We we thank you for just the ones that you've given to us. We love them. They're so creative, talented. Uh, just love so many things about them, Lord. And I. I just, I, I want to be good with them, and I know we want to be our best with them. And, and God, we just, we just want to admit, or at least I do, that I, I know that there's still things for me to learn or be reminded of. And so today, um, we just want to come before you humbly and ask you to teach us and encourage us and challenge us with these people. God, bring your scriptures alive. Help them to bear on our lives today as we talk. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so I don't know about you, but uh, the last few weeks, I've just been able to, to be a part of some really fun things. 
I mean, really exciting things. And so a couple weeks ago, I was a part of a wedding. Um, and so Lyndon and Nori, I don't know if you know them, but they're, uh, you know, some 20-somethings in our church, kind of grew up in our youth ministry, and they got married a couple weeks ago. And so I was invited in to officiate the wedding, which is just kind of a funny term altogether that I officiate a wedding. But that's what I got to do. And, and as, a, as a pastor, this is one of the funnest things um, that I get to do. I just tell people, this is, in a wedding, this is the best seat in the house, right? And, and so uh, at Lyndon and Nori's wedding, what, what I got to do is I get to kind of walk in with the guys and, and I, I, I take my um, you know, place up on the stage and, and Lyndon's kind of down front waiting for his bride to walk in. And so I'm right there and, and I get to watch, I get to see what Lyndon sees as Nori comes down the aisle uh, with her dad and I get to watch Lyndon and I get to watch her and this is just so much fun. You are right there seeing everything. And, and, and I get to watch uh, Nori's dad come up. And, and, and you know, if, if you've been a part of weddings, they often start in this way. You know, I say, who gives this woman to be married to this man? And, and, and so her dad, Tom, says, you know, her mother and I, and, and he gives her a big hug. And he, he, he kind of gets to release her over to Lyndon. Or like the scriptures say, a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. So they kind of release her. All, all the parents, they, they do release the two of them and they kind of step back and I'm, I'm right there in the front row just kind of experiencing all of this with them. Um, later on after the ceremony, I, I was sitting at the reception and I was sitting at the table with um, Lyndon's parents and Nori's parents and I had my wife there and my kids there and I'm just, I'm watching their parents and we're kind of talking and I'm watching them watch their kids and it was the first time in my life, it just, it just popped into my mind, what's that going to be like? Right. I, I mean, I, I'm looking at my kids, and my kids are 10 and 8 and 5, and so I, I think this is going to be a long time um, in, until this happens. But it just starts thinking, yeah, Mike shakes his head. I just start thinking, I wonder what that's like. I wonder what it's like to, to, to kind of step back and say, all right, these two, they have their life together, and, and, and to celebrate that and to watch that as a parent. I mean, this is, this is huge for us to do. And then... And then this week, um, how many of you guys got to drop your kids off at school for the first day? Raise your hand. I mean, we're going to participate here. A few of you guys, how many of you just gave them the boot and said, go to school and we'll see you afterwards? Okay. A few of you threw them on the bus. Okay. Um, I, I, I got to drop my kids off. And so I didn't get to post this on Facebook. I'm not that kind of dad. I wasn't on top of it. But this is the picture uh, of my kids' first day of school. So I get them ready. Um, we take the picture. We get in the minivan and we drive to school. And I just walk in there and I realize that that moms are way better at this than dads right I I just walk in there's all these all all these moms and they all have cameras and and they're all taking pictures and they're crying and they're hugging their kids and I'm kind of standing there I I don't really know what I'm supposed to do right now but I I I I hug my kids and kind of say goodbye to them and it's just so fun and then you just kind of step back don't you I mean, I, I got my car and, and I left. And, and so, you know, for, for me, for Sarah and I, I mean, she's involved in the schools. We know a lot of their teachers. And so um, in, in a lot of ways, we, we know them. But at the same time, we are stepping back and they are walking through something without us. I mean, anything could happen. This is, um, there, there is all kinds of emotions, but I get in the, the van and I'm just kind of driving and I'm just thinking again about my kids and this is so good for them. 
um, to kind of be on their own, to be out away, to walk through some things without, without mom, without dad. And, and these kinds of experiences for me, they, they, they've just been huge for me. They, they bring up some important reminders in my life. I've just realized again the last few weeks some really important things. Like the first thing is to remember that young people in our lives will grow up. I mean, that's what I'm thinking about with Lyndon and Nori. I'm looking at them and I'm remembering Nori in middle school. And just this is the reality. They will grow up. All our kids will grow up, at least physically, even if it's not like mentally in the heart. I know sometimes that takes a while, but they will physically grow up and you cannot stop that. So, you know, my kids, again, kindergarten, elementary school, but, but, but that's not always going to be the case for them. And so I just want to, I just want to do this for a moment. I want you to think about the, a, a young person in your life. So somebody under the age of 18. And my hope is all of us, you can picture them, you can close your eyes if you need to. Just think about them and just think about 10 years from now. I know to a young person, a student, 10 years is a long time. To us who are a little bit older, 10 years goes really fast. And so just think about them and think about where will they be 10 years from now? What will they be doing? Or maybe maybe better, what will they have experienced over those 10 years? Will they, will they be driving yet? Um, you know, graduating high school, hopefully, maybe, or, or, or even moving out. I was just thinking my youngest son, Connor, um, he will be, he will be learning to drive at that time, right? I mean, he cannot drive Katie's wheelchair at all. And so I don't know how that's going to go. And so, um, but he, I mean, they will grow up. And I'm reminded of that. I'm also reminded of this, that it's, it's always important to remember what matters most. That, that, that we can stop. And so for me, it's just hard for me, kind of in the daily things of life. I mean, we're just going. There's so much going on, and we get kind of in a rhythm. And so we, we train ourselves. You get up, you go to work, you're kind of doing things maybe with your kids. You kind of have things to do after work. And we just, we just kind of get going, and we get functioning in life. And, and, and we very rarely do we have time to just kind of, again, stop and ponder and wrestle with what matters most, right? And, and, and yet, when you're sitting at a wedding for 30 minutes and everything just kind of stops and you're watching two people and you, you think about that then. Or when you drop your kids off for the first day of school, you just, you just wrestle with what, what matters, what really is important in life. And so I just want to do this again this morning. Again, think about this young person. Think about 10 years down the road. Where will they be? What will they be doing? And I just want you to, uh, to think about this. What do you want for them at that time? I mean, what do you really want for them when they're getting married? Um, what, what do you want for them when they graduate, when they move out of your house, when, when you are stepping back and they are moving forward in some things? What do you, re- or maybe a better way is what matters the most there? What's truly, truly important? And what I want to remind us this morning is what's important there at that time for them is the same thing that's important for you today. And the same thing that's important for them today, actually in their life right now, it's their faith. 
It's their, their interaction, their trust, their, their relationship with Jesus Christ. In fact, I want you to write this down. This is our big idea today. What is most important, what matters most in every person's life is his or her faith in Jesus Christ. At that time, are they trusting Jesus? Do they know Jesus? Are, there, are, are their lives submitted to him? Do they have faith in him or not? This is so important. So this, this Wednesday night, we're going to start a new teaching series with our students, and, and, and we're going to be talking about um, deception, how, how it's just really easy in life for people to be deceived. You, you just open the Bible, you get three chapters in, and there is Eve, and she's being deceived, and it leads to sin, and it destroys her life, right? It is just so easy to kind of believe lies and to think things that are most important in life, to take kind of like little things and elevate them and say, that's so important, and to take the really important things in life and kind of set them off to the side. It's so easy easy for us to do this, especially with what matters most. I mean, it's just easy for us when we, when we think about oh, our kids and, and 10 years down the road. I mean, it's just easy to put things out there. And sometimes we wouldn't verbalize them, but we would just say, well, what I really want for my kid in the next 10 years is I want them, I want their football team to win the state championship and I want them to have that scholarship that I never got a chance to have, Right? We don't say that, but, but, we, but we want that, right? Or, or, or I want them to, to kind of, again, um, you know, any sport or, 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 or some kind of, like I want them to have the relationships at school that didn't really happen for me. I want them to be received in this way. And, and, and I want them to kind of thrive in that way. Or I want them to get into that college and, and have that career. You know, one of those things that you're really excited to talk about, like they're, they're going to be a doctor, or, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be, we'll just say an engineer, right? Engineers are awesome. And, and so, you know, you just throw out some of these kinds of things. And, and, and you, you, you want these kinds of things. Or maybe you don't even go that route to, like, huge success kind of in a worldly sense. Maybe you, maybe you just go the route of, I just want them to survive, right? I just want them to get through and, and not make too many big mistakes. I want them to just actually graduate. That would be awesome. Um, you know, or, or, or not, you know, be addicted to a substance or enjoy jail or something like that, or they can just kind of get through. It's easy to kind of put some of those wants and desires kind of out there as most important. And a lot of these things are actually really good things. It's not necessarily a sin to want them to do good in school. Yes. But to compare those things to what Jesus says about what really matters in life, this is, this is eye-opening for us. Have you read the words of Jesus lately? A, a lot of people, we, we talk about him as just being kind of this nice um, teacher with some really encouraging ideas. What I find with Jesus when I read his words, he's very direct. He's very focused, especially about what is most important in life. Like Jesus says things like this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Right? So, so relationship with the Father, something where you're interacting with God, where you're saved, where you're right with God, nobody experiences that except through Jesus. So it's not your good works, right? Um, it, it's not how well you did in math, in school. It, it, it's not if you got some big accomplishment. It, it's through Jesus alone. 
He kind of leaves that out there. And, and here's another one. He says, I, I tell you the truth. So this isn't deception. This is truth. This is reality, right? I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my words and, and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. And so this is what we want for young people, right? We want them to live. Joy, peace, thriving in life today. We want them to to live here on earth, but we also want them to live like after they die, to be right with God, to live with him in eternity in, in heaven. Like we want that for them. And so Jesus says, how does that happen? How does that come about? Well, what will they hear and, and, and believe? In fact, I want you to circle those words and maybe next to it, you could write the word faith. Because isn't this what faith is all about? Hearing, believing, moving, acting, trusting in what you know to be true. This God, Jesus is saying, whoever hears and believes, whoever has faith, that's how death to life, right? One more, and, and I think these words to me, they're the most challenging for my own life. And and they're challenging for young people. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So there's a surrender there. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Or, or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And on your notes, I want you to underline kind of verse 26 there. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? And yet forfeit their soul. I, I read that and I think about um, the things that I really want for, for young people. And, and, and many of them are just like the whole world. So really good grades. And, and, and um, you know, uh, great accomplishments. And, and a good college. And a good career. And a nice marriage. And, and, and house. And, and I want them to serve people. Like I want my kids to have a plaque, right? And, you know, that says great servant. They did this great thing for the community. You just think about all these things. And these are good things. And we could say gaining the whole world, like having those things. But Jesus says, what good would it be to be involved in all of those things and yet forfeit your soul or not have faith? Jesus says, that's a tragedy. Like that's a huge loss. You missed the most important things, right? And, and, and what's even more interesting is Jesus says this happens with people. Like if you look in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Here's where it gets interesting. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I mean, to me, this is the most kind of terrifying picture in all of the scriptures because here's some people who did really good things and they did them in God's name. Like they were talking about God. They, they, they were thinking about God in some ways. They were kind of putting it under that whole kind of um, persona. But in the end, they stand before God. And, and Jesus is saying, I, I never knew them. There was never faith. There was never a relationship there. Right? It, it's a tragedy. 
what world? What would it gain to gain the whole world? And, and this is an important thing for us, I think, especially in this community. Like, do you guys know that Camas in Washougal is an amazing place to raise kids? Like, this is, this is a tremendous place. I, I mean, um, just if you, if you just think about the community, you think about the opportunities, you think about the schools, and I know there's challenges with that and stuff, but you got to realize people move from all over the place to go to school in this community. And if you just watch, like, kids graduating out of this community and moving up, some of the things that they do, some of the talents they have, um, some, of the, some of the schools that they go to, some of the stuff that they do, I mean, the, the, there's some incredible... Incredible young people coming out of this community. It's so good. It's such a great place. I love this place. I'm not leaving it, right? Unless God pulls me out of here. Okay. Um, at the same time, in a community like this, it's very easy to gain the whole world and yet miss faith. And Jesus is saying, don't be deceived by that. Don't miss that. What matters most above all of those things is their own faith in God. Not your faith in God, mom or dad or even mine as a youth pastor, but are they trusting and knowing and and relating to Jesus on their own? And and see, this this is where it gets really hard, right? Right, parents? Or, or anybody that, that works with young people and has desires for them. Um, have you ever tried to help somebody with faith? Have you ever tried to help somebody have faith? Have their own faith? I mean, this is something, this is something that's difficult. This is something that's really hard. When I think about that, I think about, um, you know those pictures that they had back in the 90s? And, and they, they kind of came out and they were, uh, they're, they were a picture and they had all those dots and colors on them at first. You just kind of looked at it like, huh, that was it. But then if you, if you looked at them longer and in the right way, then kind of a 3D image would come off the, uh, the page there. And, 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 and I hated those things. <laughs> I, I hated them because I could never see them. I don't know if there's something like wrong with my eyes or everybody was lying to me or something, but I, I'd be in a situation and one of those pictures would be brought out and, and everybody would be looking at it and, and they'd be like, wow, look at that picture. That's so cool. And, and, and there was a part of me that wanted to lie because I would look at it. And I'm like, I don't see it. I don't see it. But part of me wanted to say, yeah, I see. But, but then I would say, I, I don't see it. And then everybody had ideas of what I was supposed to do. Right? You're supposed to relax your eyes or you're supposed to focus more. And, and, and whatever they could do, what, what I was so frustrated with is they couldn't do it for me. They could never do anything that could kind of help me have that experience myself. And this is faith. Like we cannot produce faith in another person. We can't control that. That's out of our ability to do. Okay, so, so stop trying to <laughs> And, and, and the great thing is God never asks us to produce faith. But see, what we can do and, and what God invites us into with the young people and really anybody in our life is we can, uh, we can cultivate and we can foster faith. Right? We can't, we can't do it for them. But, but we can set up an environment. Right? We can teach. We can encourage. We can point things out that that give the best opportunity possible for faith to happen. But faith is between another person and God. This is God's work in their lives. 
but we can foster faith. We, we, we can do what Jesus did. And, and Jesus, um, he, he's a master to learn from. So he's our Lord. He's our Savior. These are really important things about Jesus. But Jesus is also a great example for us. And I don't know if you've really just kind of sat down and read the Gospels and, and, and studied Jesus. But, you know, Jesus, he had kind of this, um, you know, much of his life kind of growing up. He's pretty private. And in the last three years, he has what is called his public ministry, right? And these are all the stories we read about, the things that he was doing. And during that time, um, Jesus had 12 disciples that he invited to be very close with him, right? 12 young men. And and, and if you, you know, kind of look at the scriptures and if you look at history, many scholars believe that these were really young men, like late teenagers, maybe early 20-year-olds. And so you can look at Jesus and he's like the first high school youth leader, right? He's got his little small group. He's got 12 dudes and they're walking around and he's leading them and encouraging them. And what you see with Jesus and these young men is you see him very concerned about their faith and their understanding and trust in him. And he fosters it, and he does it in ways you, you, you might not think. So you're in Mark chapter 4, right? Finally, we'll get there, I told you. Um, so I just want to tour a few things of Jesus with his disciples and just see how did he foster faith? What did this look like? In, in, in Mark 4, verse 35, Jesus has been kind of teaching all day long. And he would teach, and and Mark says that he would also take his disciples aside and he would explain everything to them. And then verse 35, it says, "Um, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side. And so leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat, and and there was other boats with them. And and a furious squall came up, and and waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And, And Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So the disciples woke him up and they said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, now, if you read further in the story, if you know this story, um, you know that Jesus does care. In fact, in just a moment, he is going to demonstrate that he has complete control over the situation. Like, I'll just give it away. He stands up and he speaks and the storm calms down, right? He is in control. At the same time, in wanting to teach his disciples, this is what he does. He says, let's get in the boat. He falls asleep and a storm comes, right? That's his technique. And for these young men, this is, I don't, I don't think this is comfortable for them. I mean, we get this idea that they're terrified, I mean, they're so worried. They're waking Jesus up and they're thinking they might drown, right? This is a terrifying experience. These were men who were comfortable on the water. Many of them have grown up fishing on this lake every day of their life. And so they're terrified. And yet Jesus leads them into this. But verse 39, he got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. And again, I don't know the emotions for these young men in that moment. I don't know if that was awesome or a relief or, or, or whatever. Um, but Jesus calms it down and, and then he has a conversation with them. And what does he talk about? Verse 40, he, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obeyed him. And so Jesus, he calms the storm and he talks about what he's most concerned about. He talks about their faith. 
It's not comfortable. A little overwhelming. It's not one of those situations where you'd say, yeah, let's do that again. But they come away with understanding something new and important about this Jesus that they're walking with. Flip over to chapter 6 because Jesus does things like this again. And so Jesus has just come into his hometown and he taught there. And people were amazed at his teaching. But at the same time, they didn't like some of the things that he was saying. And and Mark even writes that Jesus couldn't do very many miracles in his hometown because of their lack of faith. And so Mark, as he writes what he writes next, he's thinking about faith here. And then he says in verse 6, he says, Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. So he's continuing to kind of move around the area. And and verse 7, Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. And so Jesus, thinking like a good youth leader, he sets up a mission trip. And here's the plan. Grab a partner. You're going to go around away from me, kind of on your own with your partner. And I'm going to give you some authority here. And then he goes on. This was the plan. Verse 8. And and these were the instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No, No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you, which probably would happen because he's saying this, if they don't welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. And so I just imagine like the pre-mission trip meeting. Jesus sits them all down, and, and, and here's the plan. Okay, you get partners, and so this is awkward. Who do I get partnered up? I hope I get partnered with the right person. And, and then Jesus, Jesus sends them out. You're, you're going away. You have authority, and by the way, don't take anything extra with you. You'll be fine. Right, and and I don't I don't know. Again, twenty something year old guys, they, that probably didn't bother them. I mean, I remember a couple college guys from our youth group a little while ago, and they went camping, and they packed food for camping. They brought their tent, but no, uh, no poles to set it up. They didn't bring sleeping bags, and they forgot something to cook their food with, right? And so, you know, 20-something men don't plan ahead very good often. And, and, and so maybe for them, they're like, okay, let's, let's go for it. But you put that in a group of, like, moms, Right? Okay, so here's the plan. Take nothing with you. And they're, they're saying, what? You know, what about the extra clothes? What if, what if your clothes get wet? What, what if, you know, what about food? What about emergency contact? These kinds of, I mean, what, what's the plan? Jesus says, just go. Take nothing with you and you'll be fine. I won't be there, but you'll be fine. And, and, and these men, they go, right? Verse 12, they went out. And they preached that people should repent, and they drove out many demons, and they anointed many sick with oil and and healed them. And I imagine, like, what a moment for these young men. I mean, think about that for a moment. They've been watching Jesus do things, teach minister to people and 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 there's a longing if you've ever been in that situation you watch and you long for when's my chance when do I get to participate in these things and now they're doing it and they're having some success in this this is amazing and it happened because Jesus sent them out and stepped back he's not with them 
Skip down to verse 30, one more quick story. It says, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to them all that they had done and taught. So they, they get back from this experience, and when it's good, you have stories to share, don't you? You, you want to tell, this is what happened, it was amazing, I can't believe it, Jesus, like we prayed and this happened, and oh, it was so cool. And so they want, to, they want to tell all these stories, but verse 31, then because so many people were coming and going, they did not even have a chance to eat, so it was hard to have a conversation. So he said to them come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest jesus is thinking like a leader i want to process this i want to help you kind of walk through these things and 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 32 so so they went away by themselves in, in a boat to a solitary place but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. This often happened with Jesus. He would try to get away. People would come and, 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 and Jesus would continue to give and serve and pour himself out and his disciples watch this and they get to witness it and see it and in and, and verse 35 by by this time it was late in the day so his disciples came to him this is a remote place they said and, and it's already very late send the people away so that we can go to the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy something to eat and so these men they're witnessing what is going on and and, and they're witnessing like mark says that this is a large crowd of people who gather here um, it says that there was likely 5,000 men, not just counting women and children. And just, so this is a large crowd. And, and Jesus, like any great youth leader, he's talking so long and he loses track of time because he's excited about God and he's teaching these people. And, and so they're kind of seeing the humanitarian crisis coming and, 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 and they're, they're, they're going to solve the problem. I mean, they just went on a mission trip and they had success. And so they got it all figured out. And so they, they, they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, this is the plan. We got to send him away this is a problem and and what jesus says verse 37 he answered them and he said will you give them something to eat and see that's where i pause and i think to myself why did he ask that i mean he 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 knows what he's going to do what he's going to do is he's going to ask that and and they're going to say jesus we we can't feed all these people and and then he's going to say well how much do you have and so they go and they they have a few loaves of bread and some fish and so he says give them to me and 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 if you read on jesus takes those and he feeds everybody there he he knows that he's going to do this but what he does is he looks these men in the eyes and he says you you give them something to eat and I think the only reason he does this is because he wants them to learn. He, he wants them to know something about this experience in life, and it's about their faith. He's always fostering faith in the people around him. And you just read, Jesus does this all the time. I mean, one more time, a storm. He, 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 that time, he invites Peter to walk on the water, Right? And he feeds another crowd of people. He sends them out again two by two. And this time he says, you are going to go out and you are going to be like sheep among wolves. In other words, this is not going to be fun. There's going to be hard things. People aren't going to like what you're doing. But Jesus still sends them out without him. He, he, he's always doing this. And God, it's not just Jesus. If you just read the scriptures, God is always doing this with his people. 
They don't know about God because he teaches them. They know about God because he teaches them and then he invites them into experiences. And so how do you find out that God is your provider? He leads you out of Egypt into a desert where there's no food and water. And then when they cry out, God, how are we going to eat? God gives water from a rock and he gives quail and manna, right? God is always doing this. And if you think about your life, isn't that how God has built your faith too? I mean, I I just think about my life, and I I just wish I could have sat down in a Sunday school class, somebody could have taught me things, I got it, and I just live. I just live this full, kind of raw, open, beautiful, pure faith. But for me, um, like where God grows my faith is through experiences, where I actually have to do something with that, right? So, so, so how, do I, how do I know that God forgives? Well, you know, many times in my life I've sinned. And, and some of those times, willful. Like I knew what God wanted me to do. And, and I said, I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this instead. And, and then just crushed by that. And, 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 and confessing that to somebody else. And coming before God and seeing God um, open doors and say, move on. Let's walk over here. I still love you. I've forgiven you. Remember the cross. And I know God's forgiveness, right? Because of that faith ex- experience. Um, how do I know God gives security and, and, and peace and, and courage? Well, well, how I know is that when I was younger, I've always been, I, I was always terrified to be in front of people. And so like, like in high school, when I would stand up in front of people, like my hands would shake. The, the only problem with that, that would have been fine, except God always gave me things to say. And it was really frustrating. I, I remember being in high school and we just came back from this conference and, 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 and my youth pastor said, hey, we're going to share in the weekend services. Do any of you guys want to share what God did in your life? And, and, and my first thought was, no way. I don't want to share. I mean, come on. But at the same time, like I knew what God wanted me to say. I had something to say. And, and so I stand up there and, and, and I can't hold the mic and I, and I say it, but, but I, I share it and it's meaningful and, and people are blessed by that. And, 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 and I walk away like, oh, see, God, God gives courage, right? Like this is how he built your faith. And, and, and I would just say, um, isn't this the same way that he's going to build the faith of young people in our lives? Like we, we want it to be so clean and, and neat. No mistakes, no mess, no stress. Um, there's no opportunity for faith in that. Right? And, and see, we have a God who is committed to, to building his people. Or Paul writes it this way to his friends in Philippi. He says, In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is committing to building the faith of his people. He's going to do it. He's going to finish it. You can't get away from that. And, and, and if it's true for you, is it not true for the young people in our lives? And, and so it's not our, our challenge to kind of set up everything, but it's our challenge to foster and encourage and to see those opportunities of faith for young people and just say, go for it, right? Like for me, the challenges for me in fostering the faith of young people, it just really comes down to two things. First, that I would pray for them often, that I would pray about their faith. 
Like a lot of times I feel this pressure to strategize and plan and figure out situations for the young people in my life. What I know is God's way more creative and God provides so many opportunities in daily life for them to choose him, not deal with him, relate to them. I don't need to figure out all those opportunities. I just need to pray that they would be ready for them. God, help them to have faith. God, keep at it. God, work in their life. God, help them with this. I mean, this is a, this is a common thing in my home when we sit down with my kids at night and we, we pray with them. And so it's, it's, hey, do you guys have anything to pray? And a lot of times my kids don't and they're just giggly or whatever. And, and then it's, it's when I pray, I, I, one of the things I always want to pray about is their faith. Lord, help them to grow up and know you and trust you and, and know that you're like this or like that or whatever. We, we pray about this often. And then number two, we watch for opportunities that God provides for faith and we speak about them accurately. So a couple of weeks ago, my, my daughter Anne, she was invited to a birthday party and it was a, it was a party where the activity at the party was going to be something that she was not good at. And, and this is not normal for Anne. She's one of those people that she's, she, she's not the best at everything, but she's usually pretty good. Everything she picks up, she picks it up pretty well. But this activity was something that everybody else that was going to the party was good at, and she was not. Right? And, and so she didn't think about it until the night before, and all those things kind of came together, and it freaked her out. I mean, she was in tears the night before. And, and, and she was thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know what the other girls are going to think of me. I don't know how this is going to go. And, and, and she was just overwhelmed by, by, by this experience. And, you know, parents, like, those things are so hard. I mean, I just, I just wanted to, like, take that from her. And, and you know, you, you don't know what to say sometimes. I mean, there's a part of me that just wants to say, well, don't go, right? Because that's what I would have done when I was 10. I would have made up a lie. And, and I, I would have said, my mom won't let me or something. And don't, don't go. Don't put yourself in that situation. Or, or we could degrade the other 10-year-old girls. Well, yeah, they're just so mean. And if they make fun of you, they're just stupid. We could do that. Or, or we could see that as, like, this. This is a chance for the gospel to bear on her life and for her to trust Jesus. And so that's what we do. We, we sit down and we say, see, okay, so here's the thing. This is how God thinks about you. Um, this is who God is. And, and we won't be there, but, but he's there. And, and, and what an amazing thing for your friend to still go to this party and serve your friend Love her because she invited you and walk through something. And, and I think there's still joy for you in that. And, and then to give her a choice, right? That's the hard part. Like, what is she going to decide? She could say no. She could say, I don't want to go. Whatever. Give her a choice. And she decided to go. And the night that she went, I, I thought about her all night. I was at youth group that night in the park, and it was hard to kind of pay attention to students because I'm like thinking, how's Anne doing? Is this going to go okay? And you know what? It actually did. So proud of her, right? She walked through that with God, and God was good to her, and we can celebrate that. And I got to the end of that, and I thought to myself, how come I don't see that with more of life? How come I don't see more of life as opportunities of faith, right? We are so quick to, like, blame other people. I can't believe my kid got put in that class with that teacher. I can't believe the school is doing that. We we blame, we degrade, and we don't say, well, maybe that's an opportunity for faith. 
For them to actually walk through something, and it might be hard, but it's a chance for them to daily choose and deal with God, or, or who gets put in their class, or who, who's their coach that ends up, or whose small group they're in, in in church. Like One of the great things I love about small groups is they consistently put kids in places where they have to love difficult people and learn to be committed in a busy life, and they have to choose faith or not. I love that. I can't do that. I can't create all that. God does right there. And it's an opportunity week in and week out for students to choose to love hard people, choose faith or not. See, I just got to tell you, that's our goal with youth group, right? It's, it's not to provide social activities for kids and, and, and fun and, and to do really cool, exciting things, all that kind of stuff. It's the goal is to foster faith. That's why we do mentoring. That's why we have Wednesday nights. That's why we do small groups. Everything. It's about opportunities to foster faith and to speak about them accurately with students so that they can grow in their faith. And you know, if you're curious at all about working with kids and helping with that, like that's, we need adults that come along and, and that's what they do. They, they see situations and they see them about faith and they talk about them that way with kids. That's what we're looking for. All kinds of adults, outgoing, shy, whatever. If you have a little bit of time and, you're, and you can like hanging out with students, that's the chance. That's the opportunity. That's what we're doing in our youth ministry or kids ministry or whatever. We're trying to foster faith. God's going to set them up for that. We're just going to pray and we're going to encourage that they choose faith. And I want to do that as we finish up tonight or today. I just want to say two things. Like one, there's a bunch of questions in your notes. And I think one of the best things for us to do is not just to sit in a message like this and hear it and then kind of set it aside and never think about it again. Like my encouragement for you, if you have a young person in your life, that you would take some time this week to have a conversation with some other people about some of these things. So there's a couple questions that might get you started. So in grow group. Um, or, or as a family or, or with your friends that you would, that you would talk about some of these things. And, and, and I guess the last thing that I would say is if you're at all you know, interested in working with students or if you're just like, you're concerned about the young people in your life. When we finish the last song this morning, there's going to be some of our youth staff up here and, and they would love to just hear about the student in your life and pray for you um, with them. Um, or if you're curious about working with students, they would love to talk to you about what that's like, kind of the realities of that. But let's pray this morning. God, um, I, just, I just feel like this is so hard for us, so hard for me. I, I want to do everything for people. Um, give us wisdom to foster faith, to see what you're doing to see things in life accurately. God, forgive us for not doing that. Forgive us for thinking about those things in in incorrect ways and not seeing the reality of what you want to do with our young people and their faith. Lord, help us to see, see opportunities of faith. And Lord, I just pray for the students in our church. Um, Grow their faith. Keep at them. Press them. Even if it's hard or messy, Lord, we we want them to grow up with a deep love for you. Help them to choose you. 
Help them to see you at work in their life as they do. In Jesus' name, amen.